officially recording at 2.59, cutting you into black and fading you up. Fading you up in three, two. Welcome to Making Sense of the Madness. I'm your host, Sean Morgan. We're going to question the mainstream narrative and expose media propaganda with James Roguski. He is the author of the People's Treaty Substack. He has some really interesting information with us about how we, the people, can make this crazy UN World Health Organization takeover from happening. We're also going to talk to Alexandra Bruce from ForbiddenKnowledgeTV.net. She's going to give us a breaking news update. It's going to be a great show, so stay with us. This is an emergency call to action for everyone in the world to become aware of the actions that are being taken by the World Health Organization. There are two separate, distinct, but related actions that the WHO is taking right now, and your help is needed immediately in order to counteract what they are doing. Time is of the essence, so please do not delay. Action number one. The World Health Organization has set up what they refer to as an intergovernmental negotiating body in order to negotiate a pandemic treaty for prevention, preparedness, and response. The intergovernmental negotiating body has set up a facility to take public comment regarding which topics the pandemic treaty should include. Your time to speak up is now. For many people, the concept of this pandemic treaty is brand new. That was just a taste of what James Roguski has been researching related to this tyranny that's been hidden in the legalese and that we can stop. And he is the author of the People's Treaty Substack. Welcome to the show, James Roguski. Um, James, when did you start researching this topic? And where has it gone since then? Well, this specific topic, it's been a couple of months. Uh, there, I, I've been deep down the rabbit hole with uh, health-related things and all of the COVID and all that sort of stuff. Uh, approximately a couple of months ago, all of the work that I had done got wiped off of the internet. And so I started uh, publishing on Substack, jamesruguski.substack.com. And the, the treaty came to my attention first a couple of months ago. And to identify, there was one slide in the video that you showed where it said that there's these two separate uh, dynamics that are going on. One of the dynamics they're talking about as a, as a treaty. And the thing that really has me here today is a discovery that I made. I didn't hack anybody. I just did a lot of research and I found uh, an article that said in the article, well, you know, we obtained this document. And so I clicked on the document and what it was is a set of amendments that were proposed by the uh, US mission to Geneva. They're the mission that deals with diplomatic relations with 
the WHO and all of the various non-governmental organizations in Geneva, Switzerland. And it was a three-part thing. The core of it were a number uh, of amendments to something known as the International Health Regulations, which nobody has ever heard of that. Uh, and it was actually came out of a treaty that was uh, agreed to in 2005 after SARS and anthrax and all that sort of thing. And it, it, it gives some sort of guidelines as to how the, the world and individual nations and the WHO should deal with, you know, a, a, what they, they don't call it a pandemic. The pandemic is not a legal term. They refer to it as a public health emergency of international concern, PHEIC, fake, okay? And so the amendments so are changing. They could use that. this type of stuff for other stuff besides health pandemics then. Uh, th this is a blanket term, and this flew completely under the radar for most people in 2005. Since 2005. And the amendments actually, rather than the WHO declaring an emergency, and, and, and there's a little tiny nitpicky thing, you know, there's one line in the amendments where as the law states now, the international uh, uh, health regulations, the WHO has to work with the country in question, think China in 2020. And if, if they don't get the approval of the country in question, they're not allowed to claim, you know, that there's a, a emergency. It has to be uh, at the, so, you know, it has to honor the sovereignty of the country that they're dealing with. And the scary part of this, uh, these amendments is there's one little line in there and a couple other lines here that if you haven't read the whole thing, you don't really know what's going on. You realize that what that just did is it wiped out national sovereignty and handed this control over to the WHO. They also are adding the ability for unelected regional directors that are part of the uh, World Health Organization to declare a regional pandemic, or I, I let me correct myself, a regional public health emergency of regional, a public health emergency of regional concern, P-H-E-R-C. They want to create, you know, they basically want to FERC the situation. And it, when you look at the map of how their organization is structured geographically, you know, Africa, Asia, Europe, Americas, and all that sort of thing, that's not how um, pathogens spread in the day and age where you have, you know, air traffic. And so that's just a blatant grab for power where if you read between the lines, um, if, you know, some of the folks I know in, in South Africa are, you know, activists who are speaking their mind, but they could find some pathogen in the middle of the, you know, Congo or in Algeria and claim a regional emergency in Africa and then have powers to control what they really want to control. Yeah. You know, so this really uh, reminds me of 1984 uh, when there were three regional world powers and they were all perpetually at war with each other. And so, it, and, and George Orwell was, was part of the deep state and he attended all these meetings of these people. And he was basically just foreshadowing uh, this type of step-by-step uh, -step process of a one world government. Uh, but uh, what's your take on, on these regional um, regional powers? Well, I actually, I actually want to give my take on what you just said. Thank you for bringing that up. Uh, it's not necessarily perpetual war. 
its perpetual state of emergency. Um, and that ties in with, um, this is a little tangent, this isn't what I really um, came here to talk about, but it's an ongoing issue. In the United States specifically, there's multiple states of emergency. Uh, Trump declared a national emergency and then Biden renewed it a couple of times and just recently. And that gives the president like 136 new um, authorities. And a lot of people have heard about that and, and they realize that, you know, in time of crisis, you know, you, you have to take action and all that sort of thing. But the really big problem is something that's called a public health emergency that's declared by the uh, Secretary of the Health and Human Services, who now is um, Javier Becerra. And that's only for 90 days. But the law is structured such that our Congress is supposed to have hearings and vote on a joint uh, resolution every six months to determine whether or not the presidentially declared national emergency should or should not continue. And they have failed miserably. Uh, the Senate recently did it. Maybe they saw my article and they're like, okay, we, maybe we should do this. Um, but the House has just ignored it. The, our, our Congress has completely ignored their legal obligation to allow us to be represented by them and determine, hey, you know, we had an emergency, stuff was going on, but now let's close this thing down. The problem is that the Secretary of Health and Human Services has absolute dictatorial powers once a public health emergency is declared. He, he's a dictator for life, and there's nothing that anybody can do other than coerce you know, the, the um, secretary to undo that. And here's where the problem really lies and how it ties into these international health regulations. The uh, acts like the CARES Act and all of the different laws are structured so that the money flows and the emergency use authorizations for not just uh, injections, I don't call them vaccines, they're biological injections, and, and medications and testing, PCR testing, they're all running under emergency use authorization, which would vanish into the mist in an instant the moment the Secretary of Health and Human Services says, nope, emergency's right. over. And, and all of these right. uh, billionaires and shareholders and globalists and bureaucrats don't want that gravy train to stop and they don't want the, the, their, their power and dictatorial powers to stop. Uh, but yeah, it is crazy how these little unknown statutes and so forth give these bureaucrats so much power. So thank you for researching this and exposing it. This really is globalism versus the idea of sovereignty. And sometimes they try to use a crisis or a war. Uh, you know, sometimes they just use trade agreements as one little step forward, like the EU, you know, changing the sovereignty of many different countries, uh, maybe the North American Free Trade Agreement. If they would start their own currency, uh, then they would be one step closer to becoming uh, a, a, a block. Uh, so uh, any, any comments on that? Absolutely. I'm, gl I'm glad you brought that up. And uh... The, if, if you recall, and I'm going to um, honor your uh, audience, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of people who are very well informed. A handful of years ago, there was the TPP. And if you, if you talk to somebody about that now and you say something like, and, and this is actually how we're trying to spread the word about all of this. Um, if you say to somebody, you know, what do, what do you think about the TPP? If they say, oh, you talk about toilet paper? Uh, but if they go, oh, yeah, that Trans-Pacific Partnership, you know, we actually won that battle a couple of years ago. They were trying to steal 
sovereignty and give it to corporations. And anybody who, you know, their mind goes, oh, TPP, yeah, that was bad. We stopped that. All, all you have to say to people about what's going on with the amendments to the international health regulations is just say, do you remember that? Well, they're doing that again in a slightly different way. They are, uh, here's the basic story. I mean, our delegate to the United, uh, the United States delegate to the World Health Assembly submitted these amendments to the regulations and those amendments would take sovereign authority from not just the United States, but 194 countries around the world and just hand it over to the WHO. And, you know, here's a challenge to your audience. Uh, and if it's worldwide, this is for every country in the world. Every country gets three delegates and there's a, a chief and a, a junior and a regular delegate. And I've never met anybody who has the foggiest idea who their delegate is. So, you know, taxation without representation, how about giving up sovereignty without any input from the public? And so arguably, um, if, if I may just tell people where they can get information, um, my Substack is jamesroguski.substack.com, J-A-M-E-S-R-O-G-U-S-K-I.substack.com. In response to the WHO's pushing this pandemic treaty, uh, you can also go to thepeoplestreaty.com, not the People's Treaty Substack, it's thepeoplestreaty.com. And moving forward with the information about the uh, amendments that are likely to be voted on in May, uh, just this morning, um, we launched don'tyoudare.info. So that's where people can get information and they can certainly contact me through there if they'd like to know more. Great. And it's unbelievable that most people don't even know, honestly, about the World Health Organization. You know, I mean, I know it's a huge organization, but most it's not part of people's daily lives. Right. So they don't think about it. And people maybe they don't know where the money comes from. Uh, you know, and I, I believe Bill Gates uh, is a big donor and perhaps they're beholden to him and some other shady characters. Uh, we're going to talk about that. We're going to take a quick break and then we're going to find out more. Hello, everyone. This is John Michael Chambers, the creator and founder of American Media Periscope. In early 2021, a short squeeze in silver was initiated. What does this mean? It means that individual investors can take advantage of a global supply shortage in silver that the large money center banks will have to end their contracts with physical delivery of an asset that is becoming scarce to non-existent. Low supply plus high demand will cause prices to increase rapidly. The only way to take advantage of a short squeeze is to own physical silver. Call my good friend, Dr. Kirk Elliott, over there at Sovereign Advisors. They have over 27 years experience identifying these trends so you can maximize your returns while at the same time minimizing your risk. Call them today before prices go up any further. 720 605 3900 tell him john michael chambers sent you we're talking to james roguski of the people's treaty.com james what is the health organization who funds it where's the money come from who is it beholden to uh you know what's your take on the world health organization itself um going back to its beginning there's an interesting thing that i discovered 
Uh, after World War II, uh, Harry Truman, Harry Truman, President Truman, and uh, the members, uh, Speaker and, and the Senate, signed an agreement, a treaty to join. And I discovered in my research that the third page of that agreement clearly says, well, we're joining this organization and that's fine, but we are reserving the right that we do not have to change U.S. law regardless of what the WHO says. So all, you know, our, our terms of agreement, you know, when everybody signs on to Facebook and Google and you sign, you check the box. Well, when we checked the box back in 1948, we said, yeah, we'll join, we'll work together with the rest of the world, but we don't have to do anything if we don't want to. And so all of this has actually been voluntary. Any compliance with what WHO is doing uh, is strictly voluntary. You said something earlier about, um, 1984 and the changing of words, and I'm glad it came back to me that I wanted to talk about that. The day before Trump came into office in 2017, literally the day before, January 19th, the Obama administration uh, put into the Federal Register an 84-page document in which they changed a number of definitions to be in alignment with the World Health Organization. So the way the regulations stand now the international health regulations, they're not horrible. You know, they could be better, but they're not horrible. And they're horrible from the point of view of the WHO because they don't actually have any legal authority. They have the authority to make recommendations. And the recommendations seem to, you know, be pushing uh, expensive medications, uh, things that are called vaccinations that I refer to as biological injections, the Gates Foundation and the Gavi organization, and many, many, you know, I learned a new term. Uh, I don't know where I've been all of my life, but I learned a new term in the past couple of weeks. Uh, they refer to all of these things as civil society. And there's just organization after organization. It's all centered in Geneva. I mean, we literally have a mission with diplomats in Geneva and their job is just to deal with all these foundations and organizations. And uh, there's a saying, you know, everybody knows what side their bread is buttered on. And uh, it, it's money talks and deals are being made as we speak. Uh, and what's what I, what I think they hoped would happen was that they would quietly put these uh, amendments into the the you know the the gears and the framework, and there has not. Thank you so much. You know, honestly, uh, a friend of mine did a podcast on this, but you're the first organization to pick this up. You know, in two and a half months, it's just silence, and I think that's what they wanted. And then it would show up in May. It would get rubber stamped, and we would have lost our sovereignty voluntarily. But, you know, do these delegates really uh, have any power? I mean, uh, do we really need to contact them? I saw your emergency call to action to, to contact these delegates. And probably a lot of people are thinking, these delegates have nothing to do with me. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't, we shouldn't even be part of the World Health Organization. We should just be getting out of it. Uh, so, so what are your, what are your, um, What's your response to people who don't feel convicted about getting involved with this uh, this action that you're proposing? Well, uh, you know, apathy and um, defeatism and all that sort of stuff. Uh, we talked a little bit earlier about the um, Trans-Pacific Partnership. 
that was a foregone conclusion. That thing was ready and raring to go. And it was somewhat similar because, you know, who the heck knew about it? Who, who deals with uh, world trade? But look at what's going on right now with, you know, gasoline prices and, and, and that sort of thing. And so people may think that this doesn't have an impact on their lives. And that's a fallacy. Okay, the the beautiful part of what I'm in the middle of right now is uh, I I I just realized this quite frankly while we were getting prepared for the show, um, I exposed this information that they wanted to keep hidden, and so all anybody could do uh, there's really three steps to it. You know, you inform people, you motivate them, and then you activate them. You can't jump from I don't know nothing to take action. Right. So I encourage people to go to the places that we, you know, I, I mentioned earlier and learn what this is all about. And if it motivates you to take action because you recognize the importance. I was at the uh, Defeat the Mandates rally in Los Angeles uh, this past Sunday, and I talked to a lot of the doctors, a lot of the media people and wonderful people. I had a face-to-face -face couple of minutes with many of them, and some of them you could see that it just wasn't their pen. But then there were some people where you talked to them, and they went, "Oh, oh, my, oh, we got to do something about this." And so, if you stay silent, nobody knows, and that's what they're hoping for. And uh, you know, I could see the light bulbs go off, and I could see the gears. You know, it's the, these people are ready to pop the clutch and go. And, and that's what we're doing. Not everyone will do that. Some people will sit, you know, on the sidelines because life, you know, life is keeping them busy and, and they have to maintain their life. But anybody who considers themselves to be an activist who uh, can help, um, please reach out to me. I'm very easy to contact. And, you know, I greatly appreciate the opportunity to just uh, sound, you know, I'm a very calm, cool, collected guy, but, you know, I got to get up on my, um, on my soapbox now and say, look, uh, this is going to happen in May unless a lot of people take a lot of action really quickly. And that starts with learning what the heck is going on. And um, I've been down the rabbit hole. I dredged all this information up. I think I've put it in a, a manner that people can get up to speed really quickly because um, we can't just let them do this. Uh, is it the New York Times? No, it's the Washington Post. Democracy dies in darkness. Um, say what you want about them. But you know, they wanted this to be hidden and I just was guided to it and I'm shining some light on it and everybody can do with it as they wish. This is just a classic move from the deep state with uh, sneaking in the new legal definitions that you described right before Trump took office. Uh, and so we're, we're getting savvy to their game. And uh, you're saying that we need to contact our delegates uh, and we can find out who they are. And you're suggesting that we replace this uh, legalese treaty where we give away our sovereignty with a people's treaty. Can you describe briefly what that is? And then we're going to take a quick break and we're going to bring Alexander Bruce on. So uh, yeah, go ahead. Give us the rundown. What is the people's treaty? Uh, my personal mindset is that when I see something that I think is wrong, uh, I will not complain about it unless I have a solution to offer. And so when I started really doing a deep dive into this proposed uh, pandemic treaty that the WHO is pushing, I, I said, well, you know, this is not what I want at all. And so I said, you know, what would I do as a solution? And uh, on the peoplestreaty.com, there's 10 articles 
that I would be shocked if anybody said, oh, no, I don't want that. I don't want to defend those rights. I don't want to have the right to try, you know, whatever treatment is right for me. And I don't want to have the right to refuse to be injected and, and so forth and so on. And, and all of these things are fundamental. And I, I blame our education system that people don't know generally that the only way you can be forced to give up these inalienable rights is if you fail to recognize that the people who are trying to force these things on you have no legal authority whatsoever. And uh, I'll, I'll leave you with this, and I guess we'll go to break. Uh, in the past couple of weeks, uh, there's been a question uh, at the Supreme Court uh, justice level, you know, how do you define a woman, right? Many people probably know about that story. It would have been wonderful if the justice nominee had said to them, well, Senator, uh, my job is to interpret the law. And to the best of my knowledge, I, I don't know, can you tell me where the Senate has actually passed legislation defining a woman in the law? And if you could show me that definition, then I could interpret it for you. But you all haven't done your job. You haven't defined what a woman is legally. And I'm here to tell you that I can't find the definition for the word safe or effective or vaccine or pandemic or case, right? And so if anybody uses those words, if they say, well, you've got to get this vaccine because we've got a pandemic and there's so many cases and this thing is safe and effective, you know that they are lying to you. They are pretending to have authority. They're acting under the color of law. But if you don't know what you don't know, their story sounds good, but they're lying. Because yes. there are no This is not just terms. about national sovereignty versus globalism. This is about our individual health and in general human rights sovereignty and whether we're going to voluntarily give it away or not. It is just a, a microcosm and a micro macrocosm, uh, mm -hmm. spiritual battle going on planet wide. Yeah. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to bring on Alexandra because she's been researching your work as well. Uh, we'll be right back. Government-induced inflation, taxes, rising interest rates, and political instability, they all have a crushing effect on our investments, often causing the stock market to go down. They can also cause gold and silver to go up. There's a time to be in stocks, bonds, and mutual funds, and there's a time to get out. This is the time to hold gold and silver. Kirk Elliott, double PhD, has been protecting individual Americans' assets for more than two decades. Hi, I'm Kirk Elliott. There's no such thing as a bad investment. There's only bad timing for investments. And now is the time to own gold and silver. Now is the time to own physical metals in an IRA, a 401k, and of course, outside of a retirement plan. Don't let the government destroy your hard-earned assets. Please call 720-605-3900. 720-605-3900 for gold, silver, and undeniable economic protection against out-of-control government. Did you know that annuities are a great way to protect a portion of your retirement portfolio from downside risk? And unlike CDs and money market accounts, they accumulate tax deferred and can participate in the upside of market indexes. And they are probate free and can provide an income that you can't outlive. With all the different companies, features, indexes, and benefits which annuities offer, it can be confusing choosing which annuity is best for your unique situation. Let a company you can trust help you select an annuity that's right for you. Call the Cleveland Insurance Group at 844-USA-2024. That's a Cleveland Insurance Group at 844-USA-2024. 
Add an annuity to your retirement portfolio and start enjoying the many benefits that smart investors love. The Cleveland Insurance Group, 844-USA-2024. We're talking to James Roguski of thepeoplestreaty.com and also going to bring on Alexandra Bruce from ForbiddenKnowledgeTV.net, get both of their perspectives on this World Health Organization attempted takeover of our sovereignty. Alexandra, as you've been listening to this conversation and coupled with the context of what you already researched, what's your response? Well, you know, when this, the whole two weeks to stop the, you know, flatten the curve and everything happened, I, I was just shocked. I was, how did you get the whole planet to do this for a flu? Like, how did you shut down the planetary economy? How did you get everyone to wear masks? Like, how is all of this happening? It, it didn't make any sense. And then, um, you know, and I, that's what I've been asked, you know, that's the question. How did they pull this off? How have they done this? And slowly it sort of emerged that it has to do with this WHO treaty, and that it has to do with all of these, uh, these fifth columnists, these World Economic Forum trained people who have infiltrated the governments all over the world to actually undo them, to dismantle them. And that's what we've been living through for the past two years. And so, uh, yeah, so that it has to do with UN membership. This is how they did it. All UN signatories were also signatories to this 2005 treaty that under an emergency declaration of a emergency, what, what was the, the fake? You were calling it a fake, James? <laughs> um, public health emergency of international right. concern. Fake. Right, you, you declare that. And all of a sudden, the who is the the, the uh, emperor of the planet here? And that's uh, that's how they did it. And so, what this treaty is trying to do? And so, this was like maybe in early March. Uh, my friend Sire uh, uh, G from Green Med Info, he asked me, "What have you heard about this?" And I scoured and I looked. I couldn't find anything. I couldn't didn't see your stuff yet, James. And uh, I was just beside myself because it's like, I'm supposed to be able to search, you know, to search the internet. I couldn't find anything. And uh, so I was just so happy when I finally, in another one of my many searches for this information, I stumbled on, it was actually on Twitter. Somebody tweeted something and then I found your Substack, and then I immediately posted it onto my website and sent my people there the next day. So thank you so much for everything that you're doing. And, so this is know, what they want to do. They want to make this uh, 2005 treaty permanent and without any emergency declaration at all. They just want us to hand over our governments to the WHO. It's just completely crazy. And I remember the TTP thing. I was very active with the TTP thing. And even uh, Julian Assange made a great video about it. And uh, I think it was one of the first things that Trump did when he, you know, I think it was within the first week that he just put the kibosh on that thing. And it was like, oh, thank goodness. You know, we really, you know, we voted for the right guy. This is great. You know, that's when I started so to it, like it, it even more. It, it seems to have been beaten into submission, but then it sort of remorphed itself of and it's course. now coming up. It's the same idea. The TPP was about giving uh, national sovereignty over to corporations. And this is giving it over to a UN body that's not elected and the vast majority of people have no idea, you know, who is supposedly yeah. representing their country. And yeah. it's not like we took a vote and said, oh yeah, you know, we want to have all this emergency power go over to the who, you know, the people have spoken. Um, this is just being done in darkness. It's done in silence. 
And I, 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 I'm blessed that I, I went looking and I found it and I'm just trying to put some light on it. I think, you know, when you shine light uh, into the darkness, the cockroaches all go scurrying and thank you for helping me, you know, shine some light on this. Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. Alexandra, you talked about how did they pull this off and you mentioned fifth columnists and I've been blown away by how the corporations have moved in lockstep. They're obviously people at the top CEOs and board members of major corporations that are compromised, that are blackmailed, that are loyal to some other thing than their own shareholders because they are doing things that affect their, their bottom line and they're making less money as a result yeah. of doing these weird things. I couldn't believe how they rolled out infrastructure for the pandemic involving social distancing and dots on floors and just one moment corporations say they can't afford to raise the wages 25 cents and the next moment they've remade all of their stores across all of their markets yeah. and yeah. there's apparently plenty of money to find when they want to follow some kind of globalist agenda so i wanted to get your yep. perspective james well, it's something, uh, on it's, the corporations it and across, all this as well across the board i mean uh, the censorship thing i mean facebook had to basically deplatform half of their users right uh, that wasn't good for Facebook. It's not going to, you know, it's not looking good for Facebook at all because of all of that. And uh, what, what the airlines did. And so what you see also, all of these CEOs are also World Economic Forum people. And it's funny. I, I wonder how long that this has been going on, this subversion. Because back uh, 20 years ago, I was working at a company where my boss used to go, oh, you're going to Davos? Can I get on your private plane and go? And I used to hear about Davos and Davos. And he was so, he thought he was on the fast track to, uh, you know, whatever, because he had all these billionaire what? clients. So I was wondering, I wondered what, what if is? he was, he's been, if he was aware of what the World Economic Forum was really doing and if they were really up to this 20 years ago. I don't know if you know anything about that, James. One of the concerns that um, is driving me here, uh, I, I come from the natural health uh, aspect of it. And... I've read gobs and gobs and gobs of all of the reports that are coming out of all of these NGOs and so forth. And they seem to be of the belief that the problem with the 2020 start to this situation, I don't even want to call it an emergency or pandemic. I'm just going to say it's a situation that the current regulations are such that when there was an issue going on in China, the WHO does not have and did not have the legal authority to override China's sovereignty. And so there was a little bit of a delay. You know, they, they went there, they tried to get some information, they got some pushback, they went back a week later, and then it was all agreed, yes, this is a problem. They declared an emergency and, you know, the ball started rolling. All of their research that they've published just, you know, they must have spent millions, if not a billion dollars, you know, just generating all these papers, they think that the only thing that is needed is that there should only be a 48-hour period between when the WHO sees that maybe something is going on and boom, they get to declare an emergency. My concern is that in this entire process, you know, these the intergovernmental negotiating body and all these public comments, none of it is from doctors who have actually treated patients and saved their lives. And I got to meet a number of the doctors who are in the FLCCC and, and you know, that have 
across the world, South Africa, Dr. Shankar Chetty has saved thousands of lives. And their voices are, are not just silenced, they are being brutalized legally, emotionally. And, you know, it, it's, they're trying to help people get well, and they're being hit with changes to the law. And so, man, if I could do a shout out to anybody, it's like, are there any lawyers in the house who want to stand up for people's sovereignty and freedom? Um, we need you. Give me a phone call, please. My, my phone number is right. on all the yeah, websites. You know, uh, that's, that's what well, we need. I could say the same thing about uh, journalists. You know, people like Alexandra and I who don't have journalism degrees are forced to do their jobs because they won't do it. And it's the same thing, uh, honestly, like yourself, James. You are a people's lawyer. You are doing the work that lawyers won't do. So I appreciate you doing that. We're all stepping up right now. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Alexandra Bruce is going to give us a breaking news update. Lots of hot topics to cover. Thank you so much for coming on. James Raguski Thank you from the Thanks for having me. I appreciate it very much. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the CEO of MyPillow. Cancel culture has not only affected myself and MyPillow, but millions of you out there. My employees and I want to personally thank each and every one of you for all of your support. At MyPillow, we not only have pillows, but we have hundreds of products, including my new slippers, bathrobes, sleepwear, and my new beds. We're offering the best gifts ever for the best prices ever. For example, we have this exclusive offer on the standard size My Pillows, regularly $69.98, now only $19.98 with your promo code. We also have the queen size My Pillows, regularly $79.98, now only $24.98 with your promo code. And we have the king size, regularly $89.98, now only $29.98 with your promo code. So go to MyPillow.com now and use the promo code on your screen or call the 1-800 number below to receive this exclusive offer. Hello, everyone. This is John Michael Chambers, the creator and founder of American Media Periscope. Now, did you know that annuities are a great way to protect a portion of your retirement portfolio from downside risk? And unlike CDs and money market accounts, they accumulate tax deferred and can participate in the upside of market indexes. And they are probate free and can provide an income you can't outlive. Let a company you can trust help you select an annuity that's right for you. Call the Cleveland Insurance Group at 844-USA-2024. That's 844-USA-2024. Tell them John Michael Chambers sent you. Alexandra Bruce is the publisher of ForbiddenKnowledgeTV.net. She curates all the hottest alternative news stories of the day, delivers them straight to your inbox. ForbiddenKnowledgeTV.net. Alexandra, thank you for joining us. So breaking news this morning, Elon Musk offered to buy 100% of Twitter for $40 billion in cash. But, uh, and that, of course, set the, the woke people <laughs> completely batty. But last I heard, Prince uh, Al-Walid bin Talal al-Saud from Saudi Arabia, one of Twitter's largest shareholders, has rejected Musk's bid. So we'll see what the next volley is on that. And so last week when I was here, uh, we talked about these viral videos about Project Looking Glass and you know the singularity and of 2030. Uh, that we're talking about a major terror attack in New York City next Monday on April 18th. 
that needed to be prevented in order to put us on a timeline that does not catapult us into a massive nuclear exchange with Russia. Uh, and since then, there was a manhole cover explosion in Times Square on Sunday, and hundreds of people panicked and ran away. Go, go. I don't know what it is, but what is it? Parece que ya pasó algo. Pero me les juro que me cagué de miedo con ver a toda la gente corriendo. Wow, do I not miss living there. <laughs> and then, of course, on Tuesday, there was the biggest mass shooting in the New York subway's history in Brooklyn. Okay. They, they dropped the blood. And notice this woman. This woman runs back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. She's a director. Okay. She's gonna go back and forth with her, with her, whatever she's holding. This woman with the brown bag, got it? This woman with the brown bag, watch her, watch her. Okay. Nothing wrong with her, right? She just ran out of there. Here's the brown bag. Here she is again. Watch this. She's using her phone. All right. Here's that same woman who came out, put her hand on her chest. Okay. She didn't leave. They're all part of the show. Here's the woman with the brown bag. And don't forget the shoes. Look at the shoes. Very important. Look at the shoes. Brown bag. All right. Black hair. Nothing wrong with this woman at all. Nothing wrong, and she runs off. Let's go see who this woman is. She has two parts to play, one downstairs and one upstairs. Let's go to the upstairs crew. All right, this guy's like, hey, I'm on, I'm on TV. Yeah, like he's injured. I don't think so. You don't smile like that. Well, anyways, here's that woman. Here's the brown bag. Here's the shoes. Remember I said, notice the shoes. Here's the brown bag. Here's the, oh, I'm dying. I've been shot. Oh, help me. And then she's also right below the picture, crying. There's the brown bag. There's the shoes. There's the brown bag. There's the shoes. All right. But if you go over here, here she is again. Nothing wrong with her. Absolutely nothing wrong with her. Well, 
I got to go upstairs and do my part. Okay, folks, nice job. I have two parts to play. Nah, 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 nah. I'm going to go upstairs now and play my other part. So definitely some questionable things going on with that event. Uh, you know, that's just like a little piece of it, but you see people circulating back and forth. Uh, having worked in the film business, that's what you do with extras. You make the extras walk back and forth in and out of frame, you know, when you don't have enough of a crowd to make the crowd look bigger. Anyway, so the shooter, who's a black supremacist, Frank James, managed to escape, and it was he who called the NYPD the next day to come pick him up in the East Village. So Don Jr.'s uh, tweet kind of summed it up. You know, the shooter was known to the FBI. The MTA cameras weren't working on the subway platform, and apparently the thousands of cameras deployed in and around New York City couldn't track his movements like they do everyone else's. Um, New York suspect just happens to drop his credit card, his U-Haul keys, and his backpack before fleeing from cameras that were able to observe him, but we were told were turned off. So, you know, and this is happening days after the Gretchen Whitmer kidnapping verdict and a day after Biden's gun control speech. You know, a guy known to the FBI and taken off their watch list shoots up a Brooklyn subway station, leaves his credit card on the scene and disappears. Right. Okay. The FBI was obviously too busy in trapping you know, autists in Michigan and fake in a fake kidnapping plot and hunting down grandmas who took selfies, selfies at the Capitol on January 6th. You know, definitely something fishy about this case. One security expert told me that it looks like a probe and it was actually Jeffrey Prather who sent me that, uh, that video that, this, that I saw this morning and wanted to make sure we got to take a look at. It's up on my website, forbiddenknowledgetv.net for you to check the whole thing. So the question remains, uh, was this a probe uh, for this April 18th attack or has that now been avoided? And next we have the great Shanghai lockdown. So I'm gonna be quoting from a great article that's on uh, revolver.news, the great revolver.news website. So China was supposed to be smarter than this. you know, For two weeks, China's largest, richest, most westernized city, Shanghai has been on lockdown. The outbreak is China's largest since COVID-19 first appeared in Wuhan 28 months ago. And despite having two years of mistakes from the rest of the world to learn from, China is making the same catastrophic blunders that the U.S. and others did. And in the process, jeopardizing all of the economic and political gains bears uh, from the past two years. The lockdown opened ominously with robot dogs roaming the streets, telling residents to stay inside. Don't you wish you had dogs barking orders to you like that? So the public obeyed, and then by the start of April, Shanghai was a ghost town, or rather a vast prison holding 25-plus people. Uh, million people. And just like in America, health theater quickly expanded so that even in the areas with a 100% vaccination rate and no meaningful illness, China is even exceeding the insanity of blue state America, as bad as that was. And a week later, things were looking like this. Yeah, I mean, 
根治他们呢？因为所有的人，你都不晓得这个状态到底维持到啥个辰光。我总要把个把个标准，我都是讲有一个具体的说法。没，侬讲过，闷闷了七天。当然，我里向啊，不能出门啊，不是说不能出小区啊，这不行的嘛，让弄下就要出事情。Can you imagine? So there are video compilations of bodies piling up on the streets below from those、uh, jumping out of those buildings that I'm not going to show. People are being again welded into their apartment buildings, and some experts warn that the death toll from Shanghai's lockdown will be far greater than the lives saved. So the Chinese authorities are also systematically exterminating the pets of COVID-19 patients who are taken to concentration camps in the name of their health. 
So while Shanghai now, now, Shanghai now has 25,000 cases a day, which is uh, less than 4% of cases are symptomatic, okay? Most symptomatic cases do not even require hospitalization and most hospitalized patients will still survive. So in other words, with even less excuse than America had, America had two years ago, China is bringing life to a crashing halt over a virus that poses no danger to the vast majority of the public. That same public though, will certainly feel the devastating impact of the lockdowns. The zero COVID policy and the mass lockdowns have already taken a great toll on the life of regular Chinese citizens. It's difficult to describe how stupid and self-destructive that the zero COVID policy is. For two years, nearly every trend in the China slash US rivalry has been moving in China's direction. By keeping its economy open in 2020, China enjoyed yet another year of GDP growth, uh, while almost the entire rest of the planet went into recession. In late 2020, some anticipated China becoming the world's largest economy by 2028. By staying out of the Ukraine mess and throwing Russia an economic lifeline, China is on the brink of making Russia a de facto client state. Meanwhile, by, by booting Russia off SWIFT and seizing the assets of Russian oligarchs, America has dragged uh, confidence in the US dollar-based global financial system to its lowest point since World War II. From India to South Africa to the Middle East to, you know, South America, middle tier powers are now showing little interest in America's anti-Russia crusade, creating an opening for a more restrained Chinese superpower to step up and perhaps even make a move on Taiwan. Just weeks ago, 2022 was looking like it might go down in history as the first year of the Chinese century. Now it's all being thrown away. Why? Why is the government that has so often impressed Westerners with his ostensible competence blundering so badly. The fact that we're so baffled just underscores how little visibility and understanding that we all have of China, even after its rise to superpower status. From the beginning, any attempt to understand the country has now been filtered through China's propaganda firewall. And now there's the Western propaganda firewall to evade as well. Left unanswered is why Xi Jinping and his innermost circle are inflicting catastrophic harm on the PRC's largest, most economically important city. Some people even suspect that China has to be hiding information about a new and deadlier variant. But none of these explanations measure up. If lockdowns are just meant to control Shanghai, then it doesn't make sense for the rest of the country to have lockdowns as well. And if she is trying to flex his muscle, he's doing it in a spectacularly counterproductive way. To the extent that the CCP enjoys popular support, it does so because it has made China a rich and respected great power again after centuries of humiliation. The best way for Xi to mess that up is by screwing up the country's top financial hub and crashing the economy. The most boring explanation then might be the best one. The CCP wanted to defeat COVID completely and is now too stubborn and suffering from too much tunnel vision to change course. Overall, this is a bad thing. It's bad for the global economy. It's bad for the people of China who must live through this idiocy. It's also bad for anyone who loves sound government. On COVID, it appears that not a single society on the planet was both high functioning and sensible. And that's worrisome, which takes us back to the conversation we had earlier with James. So still in an area that has been toxic and dispiriting for many American patriots, there's a small glimmer of light here because uh, our modern American regime is corrupt, incompetent, stupid, and proudly mentally ill. 
the regime must change or America will collapse and it will deserve to collapse. But America's clear and obvious failures do not mean that foreign rivals are immune to the same human failings. Their leaders are also capable of arrogance, delusion, and tunnel vision. Sure, America can learn a lot from how Chinese elites view America, but Chinese is far from an unstoppable juggernaut of competence or good sense. For everybody who hopes America can right itself and remain the world's preeminent power, China's baffling missteps on zero COVID is a reason for hope. Our rivals are not beating us as as badly as we feared. So we may have time to fix the system that we previous, you know, more time than we previously thought. Still, the system must be fixed because China won't be shooting itself in the foot forever. And so my final story here is the San Francisco Gay Men's Chorus is apparently crawling with pedophiles, according to this video, which was uh, tracked down, which has tracked down the, the criminal records of many of the members. Your So there's more to that, but uh, am I allowed wow. to talk? Yeah, that, okay, was, so I, I, dis, that was disturbing, yeah. wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. So I worked on a PBS shoot with this chorus uh, over 20 years ago. And at the time, I was so impressed. They were so amazing and high energy and the professionalism. It was just incredible. And, you know, I don't know if they've changed what the hell is happening here, but man. And I, I, I still haven't found the full video uh, that I need to find. That was just a little piece that somebody posted to Twitter. And the context is they made a video that said, we're coming for your children. And I guess that's yeah. the truth for some of yeah, them. Yeah, like the first time I saw um, that was on uh, Alex Jones. And it was it, it really seemed like a joke, but oh, you know, it's harmless fun. But then you actually drill down on e each one of those guys. And like a lot of them are convicted pedophiles. It's uh, unbelievable. Thank you so much for the breaking news update, Alexandra. Alexandra joins us every Thursday, 6 p.m. Eastern. Thank you, Alexandra. We're going to go. Uh, we're going to wrap up the show now. Thank you so much for joining AmericanMediaPeriscope.com, America's Patriot-only network. We got a great update from uh, James Ruguski about the People's Treaty. So it's not just good enough to wake up from all this interesting info from Alexandra and James, but we have to take action and change our world for ourselves and for the future generations. Go to thepeoplestreaty.com, find out who your delegate is, and send them a message. God bless all you patriots. Good night and good luck.